We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Barcelona podcast. Before we get to footballing and anything happening on the pitch today, we just need to talk about some of the news off it. Frances, right now, of course, the terrorist attack happening in Barcelona. We're going to give you some updates and, again, express just our hope and love for all those involved. This is something that I really, definitely, 1,000% did not want to be talking about. Um, there's been a terrorist attack going on in Barcelona. Uh, unfortunately, most of you probably already know. Uh, the Mossos de Squadra, which is the Catalan police force, um, they've already started with an anti-terrorist operation called Kronos. Um, at this moment in time of recording, 13 people have already died, and uh, which, you know, words gave me. It is horrendous and it's so frustrating and there's nothing we can do about it. But 13 people have died at this moment and um, 80 people are hurt and they've been treated in different hospitals. Um, apparently... Two terrorists uh, managed to escape and one of them was killed. Uh, the one that was killed um, was brought down by the police in San Just des Ben, which is a, a town around 15 minutes away from Barcelona by car. Um, the, the, the whole operation had to do with two vans that were rented, one in order to smash people into the La Ramblas crowd, which, you know, if you've ever been to Barcelona, La Ramblas is the main city um, street in the center where everyone comes to visit, uh, full of flowers, full of joy. Um, not today, unfortunately. And um, yeah, so so they've smashed into the crowd, being absolute cowards. And um, they had another van ready in order to to move away. Um, they both rented them in Santa Perpeta, which is actually very close to where I was born, uh, literally five minutes away from from where I was born, which is very scary and and frustrating. And uh, at this moment in time, that's all, that's all what we can do, all that we know. And um, I really do hope that by the time that you hear this news coming out of Barcelona and national media and, and international media even, um, are more positive than, than they are being right now. So, yeah, that, that's, that's that. Yeah, Frances, these are the moments that you don't necessarily identify yourself as a Blagrana or a Madridista. You're merely just someone who's speaking out against violence and terrorism in the world. And we in the soccer community and anyone listening to this podcast and anyone in general, of course, you can just stand up, speak together, show your support and do everything you can to help 
with the relief efforts and uh, give support to those who've lost their lives and the families who now have to deal with that for the remainder of their days. Well, Frances, on that note, it's difficult to transition, but we're going to try our best to get back to football today. And the way we start that, we'll start the show basically from scratch. I'm Dan Hilton, of course, from the Barca Block team here in New York City, and I'm joined across the pond by, of course, that is Frances Tomas, as seen on ESPN and BarcaBlock.com. You can follow our show with the show notes, and we've been getting plenty of support, and we really appreciate everyone speaking and reaching out to us. The link for that is tbpod, or tbpod.link, backslash 25. That is, one more time, tbpod.link, backslash 25. Now, Frances, what are we talking about today? In today's show, we're going to be looking at the embarrassing defeat at the Bernabeu and in the Supercopa overall. Then we're going to move forward and talk about very briefly about Paulinho signing. And um, the, the main topic today is going to be the Bartomeu Dimite ya hashtag or Bartomeu out hashtag that has been sort of firing Twitter in the last 48 to 60 hours. And uh, we'll finish with fan questions. So let's get started. Right, let's get right into it. As you probably already know, Barcelona lost 2-0 to Real Madrid at the Santiago Bernabeu on Wednesday. Marco Asensio and Karim Benzema scored the goals for Madrid. The Balgrana created three serious goal-scoring chances with shots on target and had 47% possession in that game, the first time that Barcelona had conceded possession to Los Blancos in nine years. They completed 516 passes to Madrid's 584 and won 47% of their tackles to Madrid's 85%. Now, Frances, just looking at those numbers, but also having seen the whole thing yourself, what did you think of the game? I thought that Madrid were way better than Barca. And um, over the two games, that, that what has screamed at us through our TV screens. Uh, Madrid are a step ahead. They're a much more hecho team. They're a much more done team. They're a more sort of finalized team. Uh, they seem to know what they're playing at. And... In contrast, Barca just don't. Um, in the second game, the one at the Bernabeu, Valverde decided to change the formation and go for a 5-2-3-1 um, or three defenders. And then it was three defenders and then you had the two fullbacks pushing forward. And uh, that didn't work out at all. The players were all over the place. Um, there was virtually no connection. Busquets was totally isolated in the middle of the pitch. And um, it was not a very good side at all. Um, it just feels like Barca have been neglecting the midfield for far too many years. Um, and this links to the Bartomeu Dimitri hashtag. Uh, the, the, the signings over the last two, three seasons, they have been really terrible. And uh, they haven't really added much at all in terms of playmaking, in terms of formation, in terms of quality. And... Um, we're not even looking at squad depth at this moment in time. The starting eleven, based on what we saw in the last couple of games against Madrid, they just don't have it at this moment in time. The confidence has gone down. The fitness levels, obviously it's pre-season, but the fitness levels um, were way different from Madrid, miles away from, from the level that they were showing. And uh, it was not a very motivating way to start the season at all. I thought even some of the best players from Barcelona had struggled at times and no one on the Blagrana side of things should be particularly happy with their performances, but some had better performances than others. I thought Ntidi, um, of course, Messi was pretty good thinking about the shot off the crossbar. And in the second half, Messi also seemed to bring up his level. I thought um, Javier Mascherano for all we say about him being 
way beyond Pique and Umtiti on the depth chart. Mascherano was one of the better players for Barcelona yesterday, along with Jordi Alba, who Jordi Alba has probably been the most consistent performer for me between the preseason and the Super Cup. He just seems to know his role and understand whether they were in the 3-5-2 or the 4-3-3, where he needs to be and what he needs to be doing. And while Alba didn't have a supreme game or superior game, he still has been the most consistent for me. I thought Sergi Roberto was also pretty bright at times on both sides of the ball, tracking back, getting in different places, and trying to help break up that Madrid attack while Madrid continued to bring pressure. For me, Luis Suarez, Andre Gomez, Sergio Busquets, and Ivan Rakitic had particularly tough games where, and there's a reason three of those are in the midfield, in Gomez, Busquets, and Rakitic. Players just weren't in the right places when Barcelona got out on the counterattack. So even when they were trying to build their attack, the three of them just did not seem to mesh, and they, they just weren't working in, in conjunction with each other. And one of those big reasons might be the fact that Andre Gomez had missed so much preseason, and then he with the injury, he hasn't really been working with them, and so rust might be a factor in all of that. And then Gerard Piquet and Luis Suarez were clearly struggling with Knox as well. You could see that they just didn't seem to be at their best, and for Suarez, it could be due to injury, it just could be a lack of form. And then when Piquet goes off and is placed with 40 minutes to go by Nelson Semedo, the team moved back into what you'd say a more traditional 4-3-3, and I thought that's when they picked up their energy, and that's when they looked a little better, though they were still largely outclassed in terms of possession and pressure on the ball. As I mentioned, Umtiti was really good and really solid for so much of the match, but then completely at fault for the Benzema goal. He lost him at the far post, then he let him cut goal side of him, but I thought overall he handled the pressure well. Now the one, before I give back to you, is talking about the midfield, Frances, and I know that's going to be the thing that we're going to have to harp on with this game. That's where Real Madrid absolutely outclassed Barcelona in this one. Usually, Kool-Aid, I think, are too hard on Andre Gomez, but he had the lowest game score of any player in the game with a 5.7 rating, according to whoscored.com. He made zero tackles, and he was dispossessed twice. He had 31 touches on the ball to Kovacic's 60, so his counterpart on the other side. Meanwhile, Rakitic had 70, and Sergio Busquets had 89. Busquets, however, was also dispossessed a game-high five times. So some of those numbers scream out to you on the page that Gomez was not involved in that midfield in terms of that quick passing, the flow that they're supposed to have, where clearly Gomez was not getting his touches and was not really helping in the offensive third. And on the meanwhile, Busquets just didn't seem to have that outlet of Gomez, so he kept getting dispossessed and giving the ball up in difficult situations for Barcelona. There just wasn't much association in the middle of the pitch at all. Um, I think because the team was so generally terrible, uh, there was... I don't think there is one, two, three or four players that we can sort of point out and say they had poor games. I think it was overall, it was terrible throughout. Um, they were outclassed. They were chasing the ball for far too much time. And to be honest, it it really seemed like Barca and Madrid had reverse roles. If you go back um, seven years, and this is going to be available on the show notes at tvpod.link slash 25. Um, there is a picture that I found on Twitter today. And, and it was seven years ago. The Barca formation was Busquets in the middle and had within reach, say within 10 to 20 to 30 meters, or not even 30, but 10 to 20, there were up to 10 players he could have chosen to play the ball. Um, and then in contracts, there's a photo in there in which Busquets is in the middle of the park, totally isolated, a good 30 to 40 meters away from anyone that was close. And... Um, you know, in my eyes, if Valverde is going to experiment with formation, you know, I've got no problem with that. I, I would rather he doesn't. I would rather we have enough quality in our first 11 and enough depth in our squad in order to to stuck, stick to the 4-3-3, which 
these players have been learning, you know, from the moment they joined the clubs, most of the, or some of them, he used to be most of them, and that's that's the whole point. But all of them have been playing according to the four three three since the moment they joined the club, and they know exactly what they need to do. Now, with Neymar's departure, uh, Valverde has decided to sort of switch the game and switch the formation and decide to play in a different way. But you know, if you are going to do that, that's fair enough. But I don't think the team was ready at this moment in time. I think that it came far too early, and definitely, it's not the Bernabeu you need to go and start trying um, different experiments. So I think the timing was was wrong. But then again, the the coach obviously thought otherwise at the beginning of the of the game. And uh, because he hasn't been here for too long and he's trying to experiment and trying to work out new ways, we have to give him the benefit of the doubt. But um, experience tells me, and, you know, I'm no one compared to the level of, the, of, of what they are, it wasn't the right scenario to, to try a new formation. But, you know, things have happened, I think, if um, we can turn it all around and say the game was a positive, because, you know, I'm quite optimistic and I always try and think about how to move things forward. It is a positive that we found out that Madrid is ahead of us and the reasons why they are played us are for all, everyone there to see and the coaches have got hopefully enough quality in order to identify those and rectify them. Um, we've got plenty of time for improvement. Um, we, you know, it's not even September yet and um, we already know where we stand in big matches and the things we need to improve. So let's just take it as a learning curve. Obviously, losing the Supercopa is not great. As I said in the previous podcast, which is available uh, via tvpod.link slash 24. Uh, as I said in there, it's all about the importance of the title and the importance of the title was minor, you know, so that that's not a problem at all. What really does matter is that we learn from our mistakes and we move on in the best possible way in order to achieve success because let's not forget the season hasn't started we can succeed this very year but we need to react soon this is also the same barcelona team without neymar that had beat real madrid last season through that magic goal from messi at the death and so there seems to be that the players just aren't up to that form yet and as you mentioned frances that there is a lot of reason to be positive and something that you had talked about last week that the more and more i thought about it, the more and more kind of raised my spirits is that there could be more signings and should be more signings coming in. And all it takes is one or two new fresh faces to reinvigorate a club and to make things differently. Because because even though Paulinho is not expected to be a starter, the players that Barcelona will hopefully be bringing in will be guys who will most assuredly step into that starting 11. And that's going to give the club an entire facelift and make the offense look entirely different. And as we also had mentioned, that Andres Iniesta out with injury, which hopefully is not consistent thing this season but he was also out with injury so Barcelona had lost another one of their starters for this one so before we do wrap up this segment Frances we just have one fan question and then a question I'd like to post as well is that with Paulinho news kind of came out about Sergi Roberto and maybe being unsettled now and with Andres Iniesta not even playing in this game through injury Roberto still did not start in the midfield it was Rakitic in front of Busquets with Andre Gomez in front of Busquets so for Roberto, could this kind of mean that he's farther down the Jeb chart than we expected him to be, or was he just moved out wide for his versatility? And then we have a question from Hector Santos saying, how do we prevent being blown out in the future like three other Euro teams have done to us in the last five years, and that being Real Madrid, Juve, and PSG? And then other than moving the ball quicker, so he's not letting us get away with just move the ball quicker, what can Barcelona do better to fix these problems? Well, according to the first question, let's go one by one. Uh, question one about Sergio Roberto. 
Sergio Roberto clearly um, is a player that Valverde definitely counts on. Uh, he's a player that has already rejected the offers from the English Premiership based on what the coach and the board have told him. Um, obviously, actions speak louder than words. He started the game. Now, yesterday's game, I don't think we can sort of take it as a stepping stone, if you want to call it that, because Roberto started the game as one of the back five, uh, or, or arguably as the fullback pushing forward. So formation yesterday was different. And uh, I, I would say in the current squad, he's the best one still to, to develop the role that he was given yesterday. So in short, we don't really know what Valverde was thinking and uh, whether or not he's behind Andre Gomez or Rakitic at this moment in time. Um, in terms of the second question, I would say that Valverde basically needs to work out what he wants to do with this team. He's got plenty of quality in the squad. He's got quality players that know exactly what they need to do with a 4-3-3 formation, and then what he needs to do is refine that. If he's going to move to sort of 5-2-3-1, then he needs to perfect that. So whatever it is he wants to do, he needs to do it better. You know, he needs more time with the players, he needs to give them confidence, he needs to get his mechanisms right, and needs to adapt to the lack of Neymar on the, on the far left, which, you know, let's face it, he used to solve a lot of problems for us, and... Uh, a lot of weaknesses that have been developing over the last two, three years were sort of hidden because of the great effectiveness of the front three of the MSN. But without Neymar, then we need to either sign a player that can replace him, which in my in my eyes has to be Dembele this summer, and that is essential, as I've said before, um, or reinvent themselves. So in short, I would say when, but it's all about Valverde working out what he needs to do and perfecting that. Perfecting mechanisms, perfecting um, the players' sort of mentality and making sure that what we need to do is done properly. Yarn Tefera asked us on Facebook, another fan question, during Luis Enrique's time, Barca beaten Madrid at the Bernabeu, even with the absence of Neymar. I think the coaching system should be examining as soon as possible. Where is the tiki-taka? And that'll lead us right into topic two. While we can try to answer where is the tiki-taka, I think the better person and the better people to answer that question is probably the board. And most Kool-Aids not really happy with the board right now. And, well, we can't really speak for most Kool-Aids, but if you ask social media, of course, that's the big story right now going on in Barcelona. After Barcelona lost the first match against Real Madrid, the 3-1 at the Camp Nou, and then signed Paulinho, of course, Twitter was filled with messages against current club president, Josep Maria Bartomeu, and it became a worldwide number one trending topic. Of course, this all started from Agusti Benedito. We had talked about that on Monday as well, a candidate in past election. He's created this movement to pass a vote of no confidence against Bartomeu. And Frances, I mean, number one trending topic on Twitter, that says a whole lot. But do you think this hashtag can really make a difference? Because it doesn't matter if fans around the world think that Bartomeu's done, it's whether or not the Sochis all agree, and in particular, two-thirds of the Sochis agree that Bartomeu is no longer fit to be president. I think there's two ways to look at it. Um, is it going to change anything? Well, we don't know, of course, but I think what we need to think about is if, we, if it hadn't happened, then the board wouldn't know that this is the feeling of, of the people. So even if it's just for the Catalan media, the Catalan 
um, sort of fan base, which are the sources, vast majority of, obviously they're not all Catalan, but vast majority of them are, um, in order to sort of understand the feeling of the rest of the world, then of course it does, it does make a difference. Um, it was quite interesting to see one of the board members um, talking, I think it was Giuseppe Vives, talking in Barcelona TV or one of the videos that they posted on the, on the website, official website. And he was saying that the hashtag comes from outside Spain. Uh, well, not really. Uh, I've been looking at heat maps um, in terms of where the hashtag was coming from, and it's all over the world, but where the hashtag was more intense was actually Spain, and I didn't narrow, narrow down to Catalonia, but you have to, you have to assume the vast majority of them went from Catalonia, so in a way, the club didn't necessarily tell the whole truth. In fact, they probably lied, didn't they? So it's quite interesting that they seem to think that they have to do that in order to convince God knows who. Um, is the, is the hashtag going to change things? Yes, it is going to change things. Um, it is great to see that uh, the fan base, you know, whether you are from Senegal or Congo or India or the United States or Brazil or wherever you're from, if you support Barca, we want you with us, you know, and it doesn't, we're not better than you because we, like, for example, I was born in Barcelona, but I don't consider myself to be better than anybody else. My opinion counts, but so does the opinion of, a, say, a 13-year-old girl who was born in Southern California you know it, it, we're all the same we're all supporters and we all need to be considered now the way that Barca works uh, for better or worse Barca is run by the club members the sources and they've got the chance to vote for the president um, obviously it really does look like the chance to vote is going to come earlier than anticipated um, as we talked about in our previous episodes um, available at tvpod.link slash 24 um, the Agustí Benedito, which is the pre-candidate that missed out narrowly last time there was a, a sort of official election, um, he believes, or it is believed that, he has over 10,000 signatures and he's sort of narrowing down on the 16,000 and uh, he's going to be able to call for a vote de censura, which is a vote of no confidence, as soon as the 1st of September hits in the first league game at the Camp Nou. So it would be interesting to see what comes out of it. Um, obviously, the vast majority of sources, as I said, are from Catalonia, and not everyone is 25 years old or 30 years old and is an avid Twitter user. So con convincing the older, I wouldn't say majority, but there's a huge amount of sources who are now in the 50s, 60s, and even 70s that don't connect with Twitter and don't really care what people um, that are sort of younger than them actually believe. So it's going to be a difficult thing to to to, to accomplish in, in order to get Bartomeu out. But I think as long as it moves forward and people sort of stick together in order to bring a change that they think is necessary, then I think it's a great thing. Um, I think time will have to, to tell, as always. It's certainly an exciting thing to watch all this play out so quickly. And whether or not you support Bartomeu or don't, it really is an interesting thing to watch that change is possible when it comes to all those people around the world, as you would mention, Frances, and it does kind of bottle into Barcelona. And it does help give a general sense of the whole worldwide Kules and where they stand and how that affects those in Catalonia in particular. And it's been interesting to me, of course, to see that the board doesn't like this. They said they want to take legal action against those who said that Paulino signing was connected to Bartomeu's company in China. And for those different media outlets that are saying that negative and dark dealings are going on with 
with that. So for the club, they are having to get defensive. And to me, what's interesting is watching these reactions from the players as well. Of course, the players cannot speak out. They have contracts with the club, so they can't speak out against this. But it just it seems to me to all add up that the players are discontent with the board. Everyone just seems uneasy and unorganized. And so that does mean change is, is made to happen. And so while Bartomeu might not be the good president now, you can say that his failing has come for a few years, but he did bring Neymar in. And while you can say it was shady business and it looks bad now because he left, Neymar had the potential at the time to be signed as one of the best players to ever live. And he also didn't go to Real Madrid, so Barcelona was able to beat Real Madrid to his signature. And who knows where Real Madrid would be now if they had gotten a hold of Neymar. And so you could play a lot of what-ifs, and everything is in hindsight. Of course, Douglas and Marco Asensio makes me wake up in a cold sweat every night. In, in hindsight, those things worked out poorly, and so that means that Bartomeu's time, as Coles have pretty much announced, could be done. So for Barcelona, I'm happy that they have a system set in place where they can put this into motion, and it comes through fairly and with transparency. And for me, when it comes to elections... And when you think that things are going wrong, transparency is one of the best things to happen. And I, I think this is a good thing for the club and a healthy thing for this club to recognize when it's time for change. I think it's interesting that neither you nor I have discussed whether Bartomeu should be out or not. And I think that is just an assumption. Yeah, he's been terrible for the club. Um, in terms of signings, in terms of vision, in terms of sort of worldwide appeal, you know, the connection with Qatar for so many years, that was totally, it was so unpopular and, and they still went on with it. Um, the fact that the team has been deteriorating over the years, um, you know, when you've got a golden generation, like where we found ourselves, uh, say, four or five years ago, and all you need to do is replenish, you know, all you need to do is trust the, the players that are coming through from La Masia in order to ensure that, that that cycle continues, you know, and if you cannot do that for whatever reason, maybe you don't think the La Masia players, the vast majority of, are good enough for it, then, you know, do what Madrid has done. Go out, sign Asensio, sign players like, say, Dani Ceballos, which, you know, let's face it, five years ago, Dani Ceballos would have come to us. You know, um, you had Isco available in the market and there's pictures of Isco when he was 14, 15 years old wearing a Barca top. You know, Isco's dog's called Messi. <laughs> little details like that. And they still don't manage to bring them here. I think it's without, without a single shadow of a doubt, he has been terrible for Barca. And I would say it's not just Bartomeu himself, it's Roussel, who is the one that actually got elected at the beginning of, of the mandate and then run away halfway through it. So the fact that we're not even discussing that Bartomeu actually should be out is, is just an example of how clear it is that um, his influence in the club has can only be judged as negative. Going from the board back to the field, Barcelona have to put behind them the loss to Real Madrid in a hurry because they're already against Real Betis in just a few days' time on Sunday. They're going to be playing with the out, without Luis Suarez, the Uruguayan striker, Suffered an injury. He'll be out for a month with a knee injury, as confirmed today. He injured it in the second half of Wednesday night's defeat against Real Madrid. And with him out of action for four weeks, Paco Alcatera time, Frances, to me. And the question that we're posing is, can Barca beat Batiste without Luis Suarez? The answer should be yes. But the more frustrating aspect of this is all the matches that Suarez is going to miss. That's Barcelona's first three games in the Liga 
not only against Patisse, but then away to Alaves on August the 26th, and then at home against Espanyol on September the 9th. And Luis Suarez will also miss some World Cup qualifying that Uruguay could certainly use him for against Argentina and Paraguay, and could even likely sit out the club's first Champions League group game on September the 12th and 13th. Gerard Piquet also doubtful against Patisse with a groin injury. So for Barcelona, so not only do they start their season with losses to Real Madrid, but now they don't start La Liga's season in full strength. Yeah, I think Barca should be able to beat all of the teams that you mentioned um, without Luis Suarez. You know, the problem comes when the squad doesn't have enough depth. But, um, you know, players like Paco Alcácer, considering he was signed in excess of th- fourth in excess of 30 million euros just last summer, uh, should be good enough to replace Suarez or Neymar, the departing Neymar. Um, I would say that Deulofeo, Alcácer and Messi should be starting. Um, I'm not quite sure what Alberto is going to do, but if I was him, I would definitely go back to my 4-3-3, my traditional 4-3-3. Because let's not forget, in the first leg in the Supercopa, we weren't really that far from Madrid. You know, they were better than us. But um, until the Piquet own goal, the game was actually quite tight. So I would go back to a 4-3-3. Um, stick, I would say, Alcácer in the center as a striker. Give Messi the freedom from the right wing as you know, has happened in the last two or three years and have the Olufeo on the on the left. And I think that that should do the team, you know. Um, Betis, let's not forget, are not a major force in in European or Spanish football in, in this case. And um, they're coming to the Camp Nou as visitors. There's nothing, really nothing, to think that they're going to be able to beat us. Obviously, player morale is really low. Confidence is not what it was say a week ago because of the Supercopa sort of fiasco but you know players are professionals they get paid a huge amount of money and they're going to be playing in front of the Camp Nou which you know they could be fans could actually be a hindrance because people are not happy in the Catalan capital but you know that is life Uh, players are professionals they've got enough quality in order to pull themselves together with the guidance of the coach I fully expect um, the positive a positive result at the Camp Nou in in the next games without a doubt. And Real Batiste is also a side in transition. We'll preview them very, very quickly here. They look entirely different from the team. You might remember last year with Ruben Castro having gone to the Chinese League on loan. Danny Caballos, of course, to Real Madrid. Cristiano Pacini and Petros. All of those longtime players. Well, Caballos, of course, young, but he was a stalwart in the team for the last few years. So Real Batiste has had to, on the fly over the summer, figure things out. And they've brought in tons of new players, including... Christian Teo from Barcelona, Sergio Leon from Osasuna, Victor Camarasa from Levante, Riyad Budabuz coming from Montpellier, Andres Guadiardo coming from PSV, the Mexican midfielder, and Xavi Garcia coming in from Zenit St. Petersburg, centre-backs Jordi Amat and Antonio Barragan coming from the UK on loan as centre defenders. So for Real Batiste, They've been doing things in preseason, but for this, their first official game in the Liga, you could see as many as seven to eight starters. So with Real Batiste also in a time of transition, Barcelona need to capitalize on this. And I think it would be a bigger disappointment to lose to Real Batiste than to have lost to Real Madrid because Real Madrid were the better team and were clearly more prepared for the Super Cup. But the Super Cup doesn't matter too much. And if you lose to Real Batiste to start match day one in the Liga, that could really set you off the wrong foot for the rest of the La Liga campaign. Honestly, I don't think it's going to happen. You know, I think we, we've got more than enough quality to, to win this game. Um, it is 
obvious that throughout the last two, three years, uh, the midfield has lost um, control in terms of possession. But I think that with the work of Alberde and having reflected from the huge fiasco that just happened um, in La Supercopa, the players will come probably and hopefully come out with the pride being a little bit hurt and uh, Betis should hopefully get the end of it. So, with honestly, I think that's three points that we have to win and I think we will. So we're hoping it'll be a quick review for us next week to hopefully talk about a win against Real Betis. But now it's time for another fan question. Basically our fan question of the day as we're running out of time from Erwin Adrian Wasoki on Facebook. They asked, thanks for the podcast. It is always great. And then two questions here, but we already pretty much answered the what else should happen to make Bartomeu resign. Not what else, but to continue, if you believe that Bartomeu needs to be out, then continue to try to persuade Sochi's, whether through social media or even by going to the Camp No and expressing your displeasure with the board and just by letting your voice be heard in constructive ways and in positive but again not hateful ways but just by letting your voice be heard and then the question that we'll answer here is if Bartomeu is out are there any viable alternatives to Bartomeu and Laporta I don't know um as I said in the previous podcast I'm not sure Agustí Benedito obviously has enough support in order to call the Voda Censura uh, which is the vote of no confidence and that's going to happen fairly soon hopefully in the next couple of weeks Having said that, I don't really know that he's the right man to take things forward. You know, for, for the way that he talks and the way that he behaves and what he said to the media, he truly believes in La Masia and he thinks that the model that Cruyff started around 35 years ago now, which sounds like a lifetime, um, should continue. So in my eyes, that's positive enough to vote him in, <laughs> to be honest. Um, what else can fans do? Uh, nothing more, to be honest. Uh, there's been huge amount of persuasion and uh, messages going around social media. Um, I, for one, am a member of the Peña Blaugrana London. Um, and by the way, thank you to Jorge and Eduard for having me during the Supercopa first leg. I had a great time, so thank you very much. And a shout out to Laya and everybody else, Jaime, everybody else that has spent a really good night there, um, apart from the result, obviously. So thank you for that. So he's persuading people who are actually saucies. Um, I've got plenty of connections and everyone that has spoken about they already know that if there's a vote as Sura, they're gonna vote, uh, they're gonna vote for it, and then they would vote for anyone but Bartomeu in the upcoming election whenever that happens. So, in a way, my job is done. Um, if you guys out there know anybody, then you know, feel free to share your opinions, and uh, I'm sure that you may not have to do much convincing. I think it's the hardcore sort of older section of the sauces that are harder to reach, but by reaching the youngsters. They may have family connections to the older ones. Um, so it's going to be a long process and uh, one that we don't really know much about. But, you know, let's just wait and see. Uh, we don't have a crystal ball, but at least the, uh, the whole ball has started rolling at this moment in time. So let's see what happens. Well, it's not involved to Bartomeu out. Another way our listeners can have their voices be heard is to help give us reviews and help support our show, Frances. And we have a review to read this this week from Hector Castillo-Hernandez. And he was very kind to us saying, I've always been looking for a podcast to keep up with the Barca news and I found it. You guys cover all the important info and always have a plan and the show flows really good. Keep up the great work and you two will go far and achieve great things with this podcast. So we thank you again, Hector, for the kind words and for all those who on the different social media platforms or our website and have helped this Barcelona podcast community grow. 
and to help us answer questions. And we're going to continue to do that, taking in the fan questions and the listener questions that we get and taking that feedback to help make our show better. We appreciate all that as we wrap this one up. Anything else to go, Frances, today? No, nothing much. I hadn't heard that review before. Hector, thank you very much. Heartfelt from the bottom of our hearts. It really means a lot. We will continue to deliver, hopefully, up to your standard. And not only Hector, but we thank everyone for listening today. You can subscribe, comment, or support the show, of course, by taking advantage of the many deals we offer. You can find that on our website and everywhere else on social media. And just like Hector, if you're listening to us on iTunes or Stitcher or Overcast, wherever you listen to your podcast, please leave us a review, maybe five stars if we deserve it, and let us know your thoughts about the show. Thanks again for listening to the Barcelona podcast, bringing you the hottest breaking stories from the camp. No, until next time, we'll talk to you soon and Forza Barca. Forza. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com